welcome to the Supergirl Supercast. I'm your host, Trish. I'm David Schaub. I'm Michael Gabriel. And I'm Brianna Toiber. And today, we're going to be discussing Season 3, Episode 16 of Two Minds. And can you give us the recap from National City, David? Well, I think that a potentially deadly epidemic is newsworthy. First city officials, then Alex and Wynne, get sick with pestilence. After chasing down a red-headed red herring, Facebook finds pestilence. DNA this, DNA that, and the DEO builds a cure for pestilence's affliction. Meanwhile, Lena keeps electrocuting Sam. Kara, Imra, and Lena all try moving forward with their own solutions until purity and pestilence bring everyone together. David, I just have to say, I really enjoy your uh, your reporting as it has uh, changed over time. <laughs> that, that was definitely the best way you could have summed up that episode. <laughs> I get a lot more words to play with when there's one plot. <laughs> That's true. So, that was certainly an interesting episode. I I liked some of the misdirection that they did to to make things a little more interesting. Um, starting off with the redheaded red herring. I mean, it mm-hmm. seemed pretty obvious at first that she mu- the girl giving out the cookies must be giving out the plague with it. But but no. Yeah, I the second I saw her, it was I was like, wow. Okay, definitely not who I would expect to be pestilence, but I can see this, and it's like, oh, it's. It's a doctor, and she's perfectly okay with it. Was not expecting that, but it works. There were a bunch of different things in this episode. Uh, that was one, and uh, there were a few others where it's like they they led you with one thought and then revisited it in a way that I thought was actually pretty healthy. And I'm sure we'll get to some of them uh, conversations that are had that are revisited that make them that kind of justify the way conversations went earlier. And uh, the, I think the red herring was just one of many things like that that they handled pretty well. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. also, the introduction of Brainy's new look. <laughs> you, you sometimes wonder if that's a budgetary change. Yeah. Yeah, well, I did wonder that. But I also, I liked that most people went, ah, who's this guy? But Wynn was just like, yeah, that's that's Brainy. Uh, what's the deal? I feel like Wynn is our analog in that, you know, how many times do you watch a science fiction show and you're like, I how do these people not know what a time machine is or like what a spaceship <laughs> is or like, do, have they never seen any fiction produced in the last like 30 years? And so Wynn is just like, oh, okay, got it. <laughs> We're good. Also, I found the story for why Brady decided to do that. Like he was going to the supermarket and he ca- almost caused a riot. I thought that was really amusing. <laughs> <laughs> he presented that line really well. Mm-hmm. I do wonder what Brainy was going for the supermarket, though, for, though. Is he? Do, do we mean, know if he eats food? Um, I, know, I feel like they probably told us if he's biological or not at some point, but I don't remember at this point. But that does take us to, uh, I think, the next, like, you know, the next area where we start talking about DNA a whole bunch in ways that don't, that aren't how DNA oh, works. Oh, there's so much about that in this show. <laughs> so super science-y. Oh, what you can do with DNA. You can do anything with DNA. It's true you can store things with DNA. <laughs> I think one of the funniest things about this is that like they're they're sort of like double de- doubling down on this explanation that doesn't make sense when they, I feel like they have easier explanations they could have given us. You know, uh, they could have said something like your DNA changed the first time she awoke and then but now your consciousness just comes in and out and she can control it and you can't or something like that, you know. Um there's a whole bunch that would have worked rather than the this the genome being rewritten every single time that she wakes up is it's a very weird And still thing. doesn't feel consistent. I feel like yes. also 
if that's what's happening, that could really easily lead to incredible instability. Constantly having your genome rewritten to the point where I've just completely degraded. That's just not Mm -hmm. a very sustainable way to go. If you're gonna, because like if you're gonna be a villain, be smart about it. But then again, if we had... Yeah, copying and recopying and recopying, rewriting, you would think that there would be some pretty severe errors after the first umpty times that she changes back and forth. But one thing I do like a bit about it is that if you're rewriting the DNA, that makes sense why nobody recognized Rain as Sam, because, you know, maybe her face is changing a little bit, too, every time. There's also the mask, because we've never really... Well, aside from the temper tantrum, we've never really seen Rain without her mask. I'm going to assume that something is working along the lines of Supergirl and Superman, where like clearly there's some kind of magic going on where people just can't recognize them, <laughs> you know, uh, and we just have to accept that. So There's another superhero show I watch. It's a French cartoon and pretty much... There are these two characters, and basically there's a love square between the two heroes and their, like, normal identities, and the entire fandom is just sitting there screaming, how do you not recognize them? We can't make this into a miraculous podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we definitely have a, uh, uh, some, a, a, an unstated superpower that maybe they don't recognize they have, I think, going on. Maybe people are so enamored by the fact that there's a superhero right there that they don't connect it. Nah, that can possibly be that one reporter that seems to know an awful lot about that hero. I'm almost waiting for an entire generation to basically just give up on the last century of superhero comics and just give up on this entire premise of not being able to recognize them. I think this this may just be the time has passed and we should just <laughs> pretend it, it goes away. For this case, I think I'm going to take this entire explanation <laughs> and I'm just going to file it away and politely ignore it. And I think I'll be much happier after yeah. that. <laughs> it almost felt like a half measure. There's an 80s comic by Alan Moore called Miracle Man, which, if I hazard to spoil it, has people's bodies being stored in parallel pocket dimensions. So when you transform, you're literally moving your body out of the pocket dimension and then transferring your mind. And that actually feels kind of what they're trying to do, but they're doing it so half-assed that... Mm -hmm. uh... I mean, honestly, if they hadn't explained it all and they just said, hey, you have two consciousnesses who are fighting for control of of your body like, and just didn't say anything else, we'd be like, okay, so she just has alien DNA that they didn't notice because the science isn't advanced enough to notice or something. Yeah, they just you know? didn't need it. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sold on the Dark Valley and sending you there, not just, you know, yeah, why, why can't she just be asleep or locked up in a corner of her mind yeah. or something? Why does it have to be another dimension where they can encounter each other in the flesh? I don't know. Uh, if, I don't know if it's another dimension, watch as just like maybe some sort of like manifestation in the consciousness, kind of like sort of a dream state place. Lena says, she even uses the word literally, that her mind literally goes to a parallel dimension. Yeah, she does. <laughs> if that's not super science, I don't know. I, I think in the end, like David said, we're, we're not going to be satisfied. <laughs> so, bunch of DNA nonsense um, <laughs> is the order of the day. But but given this though, I think uh, like kind of the next thing that happens is a uh is kind of similar and we don't know what's going on because we see Monel and Imra getting b- blood transfusions. Um, yeah. 
And the first time I watched it, I thought Monel was getting blood from Im- Imra for his lead allergy. But on the second watch, that's not what's happening. Like, he asks Dunn already, and she says, you always were a little slow while he stays seated. So it seems like they're both getting transfusions for some reason. They're just getting their um, DNA sampled was... so so that they can get the cure out of it. And that's the mechanic they're showing us, and it doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're right. Okay. I forgot about that. It's probably well, that makes the a lot best way they could think of to have them both sitting in the same room, which is weird, because is it just me, or do they not act like a married couple a whole lot as much as, like, partners? I mean, I think Monel's behavior right now is feeling okay, because, like, he feels betrayed, you know, as he probably should. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like the beginnings of that conversation have been reasonable, given their characters. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't... It's, I haven't really seen that many interactions between them where they act like you would think a married couple that are in love with each other would act. Aside from when we first met her. But yeah. It did start out as a political marriage. Um, Yeah. And although they said that they fell into love with each other or grew into love, they've obviously... (laughs) um, I guess they don't have to have a typical married relationship. Earlier on, though, they were far more far more close and had far more chemistry and far more lovey to each other than now. Like there was this break where Emmer's not been around and Monel's been having difficulty with Emmer while Emmer's not around. And now since Emmer's back, it feels like there's been a shift. I think they're just saying this is all because Brainy and Imra didn't tell Monel about the traveling back in time and what the reason was. And I still don't believe any of that. It doesn't hold to me. But I think they're basically saying this is a strong stress on their marriage. The one thing I did quite like in the scene was mm-hmm. there's a scene where Manal and Imra are talking about upholding Supergirl's beliefs and doing all of this. And Imra did not make an attack on Manel for siding with his ex. And I was very happy to see that. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of mature conversation amongst them. I mean, and honestly, I, you know, early in the episode, I was a bit frustrated with Imra because of, you know, the the contents of that conversation, they talk about it. And, and it's like, well, Imra does believe in her, you know, in her values. And so yes, while we've heard a thousand times the arguments from people well intentioned who decide, well, we have to kill somebody this time. It, it, I was upset with her for it. But I think they circled back around to it well later to the episode and being like, Oh, this is why she's so invested. Like, mm-hmm. this is why she feels this way. And, um, and I thought that that, for me, the emotional kind of roller coaster they put me on towards Imra was really well done. Yeah, they also hinted right after the first conversation when Monel's like, why didn't you tell her ev- all of it? Yeah. So that they hinted that, oh, there's there's more to it. Maybe I they're starting to develop her character more, and I like seeing her interacting with Kara about these things. This episode, I think, as a whole, did a lot of character development. Because as you said, it's developing Imra more... Um, and then we have stuff which we'll talk about later with like James and Wynn and um, and a whole bunch of other like, I don't know, I think they're doing a pretty good job of developing these characters in ways that I'm pretty happy with. And they even made Rain slightly interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when uh, Rain and Samantha were in the dark place talking with each other and... Rain was telling Sam, you've been trapped since Ruby was born, but, you know, there's another life of power and control. Just read it, reach out and take it. You'll be free, Samantha. T- surrender. <laughs> um, so uh, Rain's thinking may not be really clear there, but... Uh, she showed emotion. Yes. For, I think the first 
other emotion than hate and anger that we've seen from her. It kind of makes me wonder if the reason things aren't a lot worse right now is because Sam is still part of there. Like, she's, like, Sam still has something to hold on to, and that's why her, she, Sam's identity still exists. I think there's definitely something that Rain spends a lot of her time talking about Ruby. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there's a bit of that that, um, you know, the the threat when they're talking to each other it doesn't make any sense to me at all. And it's it's kind of weird. Like, Rain is threatening Sam by saying, because you're resisting, I'm going to destroy the, you know, the whole, like, your whole world. Is like, but that's what you're going to do anyways. So I'm not really sure why, like, I don't understand what what Rain is trying to say in order to get Sam to not fight her. Like, like it's weird because so, there's a very, very, very brief part where she talks about giving Sam power. But, like, it feels like that's what the tax should be. Like, you know, arguing with Sam all the reasons why she should take this power and let it happen rather than trying to threaten her. Because, I don't know, threatening her just seems like a way to make her fight back harder. And threatening Ruby especially. Yeah. I don't know. Rain just kind of strikes me as more of the person to go towards the stabby stabby beat them into submission route instead of, hey, let's talk through this and let me convince you why you should bow down. Generally, the world killers are sort of being presented more as fascists than world-destroying people who are creating genocide. Like, mm-hmm. they want to take the world and, I think, make it ruled under their order. That's what it sort of felt like. So They seem actually, to generally be targeting slimeballs first. Right. So, Pestilence was targeting the, the pharma CEOs. Um and, you know, arguing that she was justified in that. Uh, so, so I have a question about that, um, mm-hmm. because I noticed that in this episode, obviously, like the argument for pestilence, she made the whole the whole thing that we always get. The people who are misguided, who want to destroy evil and are people who are obviously bad in order to make the world like somehow better. But what was the what are the similar arguments that the others have made, if any? Um, because I don't feel like I know of any similar arguments from the other two. And I might we just be forgetting any from purity. But we didn't get that much of purity. But Rain has gone after drug dealers Pestilence and went after others. That's the first others. one we've seen where the human half openly accepts the... Right, the altar, yeah. Mm-hmm. And her character kind of reminds me, there's a show one season long, it's basically, it was kind of a Christian version of Heroes, but it was interesting and had the four horsemen of the apocalypse and their death was, had a similar story. Except for she started doing mercy killings in hospitals, but still, I found that <laughs> interesting. I mean, David, you make a point. I've totally had forgotten about Rain, you know, killing the drug dealers and all that stuff. So you're right. It, I mean, I guess it does. The two who we've heard motives for do seem to line up with this weird religious cult thing. So there is something there. Um, then it's a question of how does that eventually translate to pestilence becoming blight and the fact that she just kills birds in her wake, I guess. Um, and people too. So, given that the disease doesn't spread between beings, does that mean pestilence touched every single one of those birds? <laughs> I wondered about that too. Maybe it's easier to spread disease to I, birds. <laughs> I, I think with certain parts of it, also, I don't think pestilence was like sticking her feet in rivers to make them turn into blood. I think some of that just happens around her. But when it comes to like human beings at least now she has to like 
physically have contact with them. Okay. I could be making this up, but I think I recall them mentioning something about her power growing. So it started yes. with the lower, uh, the lower animals and extends to humans. So it could just be that at this current step, she needs con, you know, contact. But we st- first noticed by birds just randomly dropping dead, and then soon enough, I mean, we we even hear that purity made her stronger, right? So in the presence right. of the others, potentially her power will get stronger, and then suddenly remote killing happens. Well, that's definitely mm-hmm. in the future uh, in her wake. So yeah, um, there. Uh, I guess so. You know, we talked about a bunch of different character development stuff, and James has like two different relationships that there's some stuff like going on in here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I was really moved by James and Wynn's friendship, um, that, or like their conversation when Wynn was on his deathbed. Um, I was I was I was really thinking, really afraid that they might kill Wynn because he was talking about how it was so ironic, and he had made peace with his mom and he talked about all the great things that he wanted to do you know be the next steve jobs build a rocket for nasa or show elon musk how it's done you know i was i was thinking this really sounds like the speech Mm -hmm. before somebody dies the thing that really sold me on the possibility was alex getting sick after because Mm -hmm. then it was like oh they could totally kill win and save alex right? right like uh and and if it was like if he was the only one of the crew who had gotten sick, I would have been like, no, they're not going to do it. But with two of them getting sick, I was like, I, I really thought that there was a chance. Uh, and and then of course they had that brief moment where they where they let it hang that maybe he's dead, and then they're like, oh no, he's fine, <laughs> he, he's off doing it back to work. But uh, um, but really like in their friendship, I mean, of course it's you know the superhero show that focuses on representing women well that also does a really great job of making the men feel fleshed out and have real relationships because mm-hmm. you know that's how this works in real life <laughs> is <laughs> if you accept that women are real people who can you know operate functionally and men can operate in a world with powerful women then men are free to feel emotion too and that's great <laughs> Maybe that's right. all of our characters like you know people instead of a cardboard cutout whose purpose could be replaced by a lamp i was interested by a couple of moments of silent character development which is that we saw imra crying when alex was uh feeling sick and i hadn't realized that imra felt close to alex although maybe maybe she was crying because she was thinking of her sister dying which they talk about later in the episode definitely the case that was definitely a beat in that story of imra that yeah. makes a lot of sense another thing that went by really fast was uh james and jean fist bumping instead you know as one went in and the other went out um and then later um a, a verbal thing uh when um uh supergirl was talking to to uh jean about what emra had been saying and um you know he was saying you've got to keep trying and <laughs> yes then <I remember> <laughs> there I was the it. yoda reference yoda was wrong <laughs> there is try <laughs> <laughs> um so so yeah all, all sorts of little interesting moments like that oh and when when imra and manel were uh, uh not quite quarreling but certainly arguing vigorously and brainy said is this one of those marital conflicts that i should stay away from or is this a work disagreement that my superior intellect can help to resolve <laughs> he's such a precious little nerd <laughs> yes. Uh I also I wanted to call uh call back to something you said in the last episode David about uh James and Lena and their relationship and like the adult conversation they have because there was another one of those in mm-hmm. this. 
um, you know, they're on the phone and James is, you know, talking to Lena. And once she says, I'm already working on it. And he's like, oh, that's great. And she and he's like, have you talked to Supergirl? Because I mean, he knows she hasn't. Uh, and uh, and she's like, you know, there's a reason I can't yet. And he's like, OK, well, there you go. I mean, you're a smart woman. <laughs> go do your thing. Uh, and while I still think she should be talking about it, it doesn't make change that I feel like his response was the right one, given their relationship and kind of how that conversation went. So, yeah, I I think the main reason Lena doesn't tell anyone is because exactly like she explains to Sam that they would lock her yeah. up. She she was afraid I, that that would be the end of Sam and she wants to save Sam. We, we keep talking forever about like, when is Lena going to find out? And I really hope they turn this into a mature adult conversation where they all realize, oh, if we had just told the other person about our secret, we would have shared this information and we'd be in a better position. Instead of it being some weird thing like Lena finds out while they're hiding it and then they have to have another round of conflict over it versus them being like, wow, if I had shared this with you up front, we'd be in a better position. And Supergirl's like, well, I also should have told you that, you know, I am your best friend and <laughs> then, then you would have known to tell me. So it's both of our fault and we need to get over it. Yeah, uh, I- I'm actually uh, surprised that Kara, as Kara hasn't tried to like reach out to Lena because we know that they're best friends and maybe she needs someone like outside like outside of everything to talk to but she or just check because she hasn't heard on her what i'm kind of hoping will happen in the next episode is as lena's explaining everything Kara's like well there's something that i should have told you too and then like pull her hair back and then put her glasses on and be like hi (laughs) (laughs) well it would be amazing if it happened that smoothly but this is a CW show, so... <laughs> it is. But there have been a few different times where they haven't done the obvious thing that CW shows normally do. That's true. Uh, so so fingers crossed, maybe this will be one of those, and they'll realize there's better conflict that they can give us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's probably going to be the conflict where they're slightly snippy towards each other for a couple of episodes and back to normal and it's like well i i understand and i i've come to the point where i can forgive you now now let's go kick the bad guy's ass one thing that's good about how they're giving james being the contact point for lena is it's giving james something to do james has had some nice conversations with people but given that they've basically dropped guardian and they've dropped catco in many many episodes now there isn't a lot for him to do right i mean he mentioned they asked him why aren't you having Catco cover this and he says I have you know that's that I'm a I'm delegating and it was, it was like, no that's not what you should be doing why are you hanging around Catco I mean DEO but um I mean DEO is more interesting than Catco well apparently so <laughs> also that way they don't have to pay all the people to just sit at desks <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, it- at least in the absence of him being productive in any way, they are developing his human relationships well. So there is right, that. Right, right. Versus when he was point. a guardian and we were just frustrated with him all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, frustrated <laughs> with his midlife crisis. <laughs> but speaking of cat coat, does Kara still work there? No. No? Uh, or wait, didn't she get rehired? I mean, she was fired and she was blogging, but then... Didn't she get rehired after all? I like to think my re- recaps, I'm the only employee left at CatGo. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I mean, you know, that's not, that's a better reason or better explanation for why James isn't at the office. So <laughs> <laughs> journalism has really taken a turn in uh, <laughs> in uh, in this universe. Well, hey, if they can hire me, I got my degree in journalism. <laughs> it definitely that's feels good. like there's been a shift this season. A strong shift this season, not spending as much time at Catco. And for whatever reason, they, it's what they've decided to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, once once uh, Kara's Secret is out with Lena, they can all just be on the DEO's, you know, payroll and we're good. Then we don't ever have to go to Catco again. <laughs> It'll just be a nice, happy family of military-industrial complex. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's not possibly any issue with that in the future. Well, let's be real. Is Kako even slightly interesting without Cat Grant there? I miss Cat Grant so much. Oh, I, I I miss her too. I when I was doing all the content and social media stuff at work, I decided I was going to start calling myself the Queen of All Media. <laughs> there are worse characters to name yourself after. Right, right. <laughs> so speaking of social media, uh-huh. um apparently in the future Social media doesn't oh, yeah. exist anymore. It's a short-lived phase. That is what Monel says to explain to Im- to Imra and Brainy. After Brainy said he had tried all these things to track down uh, Grace, the the evil doctor, um, and I have a lot of trouble believing that. <laughs> Going too far yeah. for a joke. I mean, if you think about it, maybe it's because we know that they don't actually know that much about our time because apparently everything they know is what Monel taught them. Oh, mm-hmm. and and so it's a good. Maybe he's just making an assumption because they don't have social media in their future, and he's making an assumption as to how soon it died out. You know, because it wasn't actually around for that long in his brief time mm-hmm. when he was around. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do that and explain that. I'm fine with social media not existing in the future. <laughs> but I'm not fine with Brainy after spending any time in modern day not realizing yeah. it. Yeah, there's a difference between making you socially incompetent and maybe not aware of culture versus not knowing what information sources are at your right, fingertips. Right, right. Um, so, like, the joke at his expense, uh, you know, that Wynn made, like, that's a, yes, you can poke fun at, at Brainy for that kind of stuff because he's not going to know this movie reference. Right. Um, or, you know, or Freddy whatever. Krueger, but the, right. the social media mm-hmm. thing. A step too far. Yeah, yeah, I for think sure. they need to be a little careful with Brainy. Um, I, if he's just the butt of the joke all the time, um, he's he's not nearly as interesting. They could do so much cool stuff with his character, so much cool stuff, and I want them to do that. Use his ridiculous intelligence. I, I would really love for them to, at, because. You know, he's definitely been a help with his intelligence a few times, but but it's sort of passive. Like, they just make it a basic plot point instead of calling attention to, wow, that was a really big help. Thank you. Or, like, you saved the day. And they need to kind of have it both ways instead of it just being, like, when he, you know, uses his intellect to, to help everybody. It's just sort of a background process. Um, and then they only really call attention to it when he's not good enough. And it, it seems like a weird, weird kind of uh, way to focus on his ability and when it's not enough. So are there any there are any other threads or themes that people want to talk about before we talk about the denouement? Uh, I, I want to bring up uh, Monel's costume. <laughs> it's been, uh, <laughs> Again? Okay, go for it. <laughs> so it, it's been brought up in, in previous episodes and stuff. And I think it's since the last podcast episode, I think we've brought it up in the Slack channel that it's actually a pretty much straight out of the old comics. Uh, and it is a Monel costume. And it's supposed to be an inverse of Superman and an homage to him. So... Um, you know, presumably they're 
without explaining it, they're doing, you know, they could explain it the same way where it's either for, from Supergirl or Superman in the future in the Legion, but it really is just straight out of the comics. So um, okay. I feel like worth, uh, worth finally bringing it to resolution. I, I guess I could get to like it eventually. The only other thing I'd like to bring up was the the conflict earlier with Imra and Supergirl. I'm not entirely sure if I agree that the morals and the way that Superman and Supergirl get to fight is entirely a justifiable thing to try and push on everyone else. Like It's, it's this thing where police in our world can't operate on the same rules that the Man of Steel and the Woman of Steel can. This is the thing... That came up in Flash, um, where uh, uh, Ralph the Elongated Man wanted to just kill the thinker, and Flash was saying, we don't do that. But, I mean, I really don't think Flash has the right to make that rule for the other, quote, superhero characters, because, I mean, while he's doing these rules, uh, the thinker was killing person after person after person, and... Uh, you know, no, you don't want the, our superheroes to just go around murdering people, but there's such a thing as self-defense. <laughs> so this is actually one of my favorite conversations uh, that Superman comics bring up because uh, I really like just the premise that in Superman comics, you know, obviously it's because of his ability that he has this, but then the most compelling superhero uh, Superman comics, I think, develop it into that... It, kind of into the idea that we're all Superman in our own way. And so we've, you know, there's always a way or that it's better to fail, but, you know, remain above things. Um, And obviously there's a real conversation to be had there and very significant arguments as to why that's not enough. Uh, But, but I mean, I don't know. I think that's a central argument where like, I think you could stretch that argument out really well either way um, for a long time. And I'm sure that, that the Legion itself probably argues all the time. It's like, well, we have these powers that are better than, uh, bigger than other people's powers. Are we going to stick to Superman's code or are we close enough or are we that much less powerful that we decided, you know, the line is between us and him? Uh, because how many times could he have done it and he decided not to anyways? Um, you know, when it would have been advantageous or maybe he would have been able to make the call or Supergirl as well. So, so it's kind of a, you know, where is that line of power? Um, but also, it's not a res- thing we're going to resolve <laughs> today, I think. <laughs> Carl already has had to make the call that resolves death so the last season when she told Elise to let into the atmosphere that, that, that killed some people. That's true. So sometimes you don't have a choice. Yes, murder should not be your first option, but <laughs> sometimes, like, you just, you have to, a lot of going to die. Because you didn't do anything. The conversation is definitely part of what Supergirl and Superman stories are about, so it's a good conversation. I just definitely wouldn't always assume that Supergirl's right. Yeah, well, and it doesn't help that they don't have Supergirl articulate it well at all. No. Um, right? Like, And that's the, that's the thing, is I think that it's a, it would come across much better if she had kind of an expanded part of this conversation rather than just saying we don't do that. And that's the end of it versus, um, you know, when, when that's conversation is done well in these comics, there is kind of a, there's a lot more to it than that. We could probably do a special episode discussing this. <laughs> I think that that's something, unfortunately, I don't think they do justice to Supergirl uh, a lot as much as I love her. I don't think they do a lot of justice to the way that she, to her judgment. Um, she, 
I don't know, she goes back and forth and just doesn't seem particularly consistent, um, second-guessing herself a lot in some cases and then not in others, without ever really, I don't know, articulating her thoughts well. Um, and it's it's a little bit frustrating because, like, she is, it's kind of this, I think, similar to they're never really giving her uh, an argument for actually being a good journalist and just saying <laughs> that she is. Like, I'm... I don't actually get the impression that she is as inspirational a paragon of character as everybody looks to her to be in the show. Um, Cause she could do it a lot better than she does. Um, and I feel like that's a writing failure, but I love her anyways. Right. Well, I mean, yes, we, we all love her, but we're allowed to be frustrated with her from time to time. <laughs> She'll grow into the role. <laughs> we'll give her a couple of more seasons. Okay, so eventually, through various fights and stuff, they find a way to track pestilence through using the DNA from the blood that she left behind on the dart that didn't quite put her down. Um, <laughs> so, well, I guess we should go back to the fight before before then. So, um, Grace, uh, Supergirl, and others had tracked down Grace, and they were fighting, and Imra shot a kind of dart into uh, Pestilence. Um, After and it looked her in a brain bubble. Right, right. Um, so it looked like she was going down, but then, uh, Julia Purity showed up, and, uh, uh, said, sister, I found you, and they flew away. And Imra is disappointed because Pestilence was dying and there would have been no blight. Um, Monel says that uh, purity made her stronger, so that's why she was able to fight off whatever was on the dart. Um, and then the dart hypo that had fallen out of Emra's <laughs> shoulder or whatever uh, after hitting her, had her DNA. And so they used that as a they said, now we can make a cure from that. And somehow they also, oh, they had put a tracker on Pestilence while they were fighting her? No, they were able to track Purity's wavelengths. Because apparently she was on her on her way to El Carp, she was just screaming the entire time. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I was assuming Purity's flight lets off some of the same waves as her attack. That's how I was going to go with that. Yeah. But sure, screaming. That, that was my take, too. <laughs> that makes more sense. That's not as funny. <laughs> okay, so hand-waving that aside, <laughs> uh, they realize that uh, they are headed, the uh, the DEO team realizes that the uh, world killers are headed toward L Corp, and somehow they get there at L Corp a little ahead of Purity and Pestilence, um, and they stand on all on one side with the camera facing the other wall that clearly <laughs> the other guy the bad guys are going to come through and nobody like goes to the other side of this cage because none yeah. of them have watched TV before they don't know they're in a TV show <laughs> they're all kind of in shock they're a little confused the right. timing might be okay because they could just phase through the entire building where I'm assuming. Purity and Pestilence just ripped all the way through how many floors down there. So I can kind of cope with the time difference, too. <laughs> right. Uh, that's, that's... wonder how much it's going to cost to repair all the building that was destroyed. Nothing. Ever. Also, can, t does, does anyone know how exactly Purity was able to get through the force field? Not Purity. Pestilence could get through that special force field that even Rain couldn't get through? How? They were on the outside, and they sent the doors through the machine. 
That's how I read it. Yeah. It's much easier to break something from the outside of a force field than the inside. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that explanation works. <laughs> how good that force field was was unclear because also every time rain started coming out, I think she was constantly being injected with a bunch of kryptonite. So it maybe didn't actually right. have to be that strong. So anyway, Pestilence takes rips off uh, the kryptonite locket that Sam was wearing, and uh, Rain emerges fully. Uh, eye beams John out of action. Uh, joins hands with the others. Poof, she's in costume now, uh, and says something that sounds like Elmira, and they all leave, and everybody else stands around and looks at each other. I was pretty shocked by the instantaneous transformation to costume. The costumes look dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I can see why Rain would not want be want to be flying around in you know scrubs. <laughs> not very intimidating, right? I mean, they're super villains, not fashion models. So that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like you know when this is all all done, Kara, since she's not a reporter anymore, she could write a book about them, and that would be the title. Super Villains, Not Fashion Models. So I wonder <laughs> if we're going to start the next episode with the conversation about what were you doing, Lena, hiding this vital information from us, and if it'll be a real conversation, or if they'll just, you know, yell at, yell at each other for a minute and then resume it later, resume the argument later. <laughs> Definitely the second. Or at least I'll be like, what the heck was going on? What the heck just happened? What is going on? Okay, if you want to calm down, calm down. Let's talk about this. I mean, to some degree or another, there should be some tension. So I think even if there had a perfectly healthy, you know, situation about it, you would kind of deal with the situation, like deal with everything you have to right now. And then afterwards be like, okay, so we didn't tell each other things. We need to talk about this now. Um Hopefully it wouldn't be arguing or like, you know, yelling, but one way or the other, it should be talked about after the fact. Everyone's stressed out and freaked out. So there's probably going to amount to snapping at each other. Have Imra and Lena met at all? I'm not sure. That's almost kind of like what I was going to get into, which was our view of Lena's behavior is very different than Lena's views of Lena's behavior. Because Lena doesn't know Kara Supergirl. Lena hasn't really been involved that much with the <laughs> DEO. Like, she doesn't really know these people. And it's very hard for us to sort of right. see through her eyes. Even though she also kind of sees a, a supervillain who shouldn't be treated like a supervillain. I really do understand why Lena's making the calls she's making. Even if it wasn't for the fact that Lena's probably right. Yeah. That she knows how to solve this better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I mean, I think Lena's decisions make sense. Like, I think for her, you could make an argument for either, you know, either telling the DEO or not. Uh, and it's not unreasonable. Um, I definitely think Kara keeping a secret is m more of a big deal because A, Lena would have told her if she knew, and B, she's ostensibly her best friend. And keeping that secret from your best friend for this long when you've had to work to save her life so many times, and, mm -hmm. you know, and her mother is literally one of your supervillains, you mm -hmm. know, this is, the, we're well past the point where if Kara gets upset with Lena, like, she does not have, you know, she does not have a leg to stand on. Yeah, look, thinking about the DEO, too, you're, you're right that, um, you know, we, even on the show, we've discussed how much the DEO 
ignores civil liberties when it feels like it, and uh, presumably Fiora most ignores, people. Sorry, Fiora ignores the civil liberties of aliens. Yeah, but I, I mostly aliens, but I think um, they they're pretty fast and loose with. Uh, you know, privacy laws and <laughs> other kinds of things. Uh, they hack wherever they feel like it, and um, but 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 anyway. So I think that for most people who know about the DEO at all, um, they it would look like a pretty shadowy, powerful government agency that you would not assume was going to be kind to anyone who needed, uh thoughtful treatment. I do think the only thing maybe the one thing that makes me feel like I feel like Lena has had enough interactions with Supergirl positive ones that you could make the case where it's like, look, you know, Supergirl will, will do the right thing or she will try to right? because how many times has she seen Supergirl not take the violent path um, or, you know, the brutal path. So I, I don't know the good of others before herself. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it, it definitely, I mean, you know, we had the whole first season where we didn't feel very highly of the DEO. So Sam was up for asking for Supergirl. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. She wasn't asking for the DEO, but she was saying, you know, there must be other people who could help us. And she said Supergirl specifically. So, um, and I think that, you know, makes sense. Cause she's like, look, we can trust Supergirl and yeah, this sucks, but I think Lena specifically said that you'd be, you know, essentially tortured or whatever. And, and Sam said that wouldn't really be any worse <laughs> than this. Mm. Um, because of course she's afraid of killing everybody else. Right. Like that's the thing is like, we're doing this and I might kill everybody. And I think the argument here is, you know, yes, Lena might be able to do this better than anybody else, but you can use their resources. So. Yeah. Also external torture is better than having to deal with an alter ego that kind of wants to kill you. <laughs> Okay, Sam did spend this entire episode being electrocuted. Right, right. Um, we'll, I mean, we'll get it rain through your pain threshold. Mm. <laughs> I, I really, honestly, really valued Sam's reaction this whole time. Like, it just, it felt right, uh, both in the last episode when she kind of, you know, her denial before mm -hmm. Lena proved the situation to her, but her acceptance of like, well, this is what needs to be done, mm -hmm. you know? And I, of course, I'm going to, to, to deal with this if that's what it takes. So, um, but obviously, you know, the pain is the pain. And I, I don't know if she's, uh, I don't know the actress's name, but I have, I think I've, you know, just always really loved her portrayal of Sam. Um, even if rain is not nearly as compelling. So, uh, yeah, kudos to her. Yeah. These last two episodes mm -hmm. have been just wonderful for all of the Sam Alina scenes. I've adored them. <laughs> Sam Alina. <laughs> I just, I hope we see Sam again, because it kind of looks like Rain is caked over, but there's a possibility Sam will be able to take back over. I, I believe in her. At least for a, for a little while at some critical moment. Through the power of friendship, as cheesy as that sounds. <laughs> I mean, Ruby is going to have to play a big part, right? Yes. She will. So. <laughs> oh, are they going to tell Ruby? Are they going to tell her? I hope so. At all? anything for a child that's not gonna be fun but at least she'll be like hey my mom does have superpowers <laughs> it's just not yeah i wanted it to I, I don't think that's quite going to make up for everything <laughs> but at least she'll know she's not crazy 
So do y'all think that we're done with the side quests? Is it just going to be the world killers plotline from now on? Or will we see some more uh, episodes that are about other things? Uh, I mean, what storylines are... Do we have any storylines that are still open other than the world killers? I don't know that we have any real things left. I mean, they wrapped up things with uh, with John's dad. Um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, yeah, it feels like it's world killers for the rest of the season. So there's usually about like 22 episodes. This was 16. So two or three episodes on them preparing and figuring out what to do. And then the last couple will probably be the final battle. Sounds about right. My yeah. guesstimate. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's basically this this plus whatever conflict is going to be between Lena and and Kara from, you know, keeping secrets. Mm-hmm. That's assuming that they actually reveal that that's assuming Kara actually reveals to Lena. We don't know if she will. That's true. She better, but yeah. we don't know. I mean, it would be kind of hateful if it were just a one-sided condemnation of Lena for not for keeping secrets Without anyone else admitting that, you know, yeah, there's... I mean, I can't see James putting up with that if they were all... You know, he might, he would, he might not reveal the secret to Lena, but he might tell the others to, hey, cool, you know, in a side conversation, hey, cool it, you, you've, you keep information from her, too. Pull them to the side and chew them out and tell them, like, fine, fine, we'll tell her. <laughs> uh, did we resolve uh, Monel and Imra's uh, kind of thing yet or is that something that still has to be closed off as well i don't think he's fully gotten over that and so that's probably a conversation we can expect soon mm-hmm. yeah and back to that i liked the comment he made where she like, said something about coming here and he, he's like you brought me here you can't keep bl- putting this on me mm-hmm. well assuming that both of them survive the world killers uh-huh. conflict i think it'll be really interesting to see whether Monel decides to go back forward in time with Emra and the Legion, or if he wants to stay on current Earth. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I'm hoping that everything they've been doing with kind of the healthy resolution of his relationship with Kara um, will lead to him being like, no, like, you know, we appreciated this. I'm glad that we kind of brought this full circle, but I know where I belong, and that's the future. Because um, okay. I feel like that's the sensible take. He has to go take care of the rest of the Legionnaires, and he built a pretty great life there so he should go back of course if they stop the blight then the whole future is changed and who knows what the legion would be going back to there is that do I... they know much about the rules of time travel yet like do we... <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i i suddenly have the image of like barry running over me like guys are you kidding me <laughs> you should know better than this <laughs> Like, I could literally give you a list of reasons this is a bad idea. <laughs> I don't know if I want to see the show try and do a heavy time travel episode. I'm with you, David. <laughs> well, maybe it's okay if you use a Legion ship to slingshot yourself back in time instead of trying to do it through the Speed Force. I guess, in the end, it sounds like, for the most part, we enjoyed this episode. Like, all the nitpicking we did, we we generally liked it. I mean, I know I, yes. I actually feel pretty good about the episode and where it sets us up for mm-hmm. I could definitely say I liked the previous episode a bit more for the story and structure of it, but this was still good Supergirl. And I think it's, it sets the rest of the season up well. Yeah, I think it was kind of a mechanics episode with some good conversations thrown in. Uh, it felt kind of, you know, point, 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 point. It, it didn't feel... It didn't feel like a good 
a good episode in itself so much as a setup, you know, following and setting up, following some things, setting up some more things. And it did have some good conversations, but there, there have certainly been other episodes that I liked a lot more. Okay, so I guess we'll all just have to wait and see what happens. But uh, as, as always, it's been fun discussing what's happened so far. Um, so I'd like to thank everybody on the panel today. Glad that we all could make it. I'd like to thank our listeners for listening. Um, you can join in the conversation with us on our the, the Incomparable Facebook uh, group or the members Slack channel or on Twitter at SG Supercast. Um, and I'd like to thank the Incomparable for hosting us and our wonderful audio editor, Seth Heasley, who makes us sound better than we really are. <laughs> Always does. Yeah, that, that, that takes some special talent. <laughs> it does. Um, so, so, right. So, thanks, Brianna. Glad to be here. Thanks, Michael. It was so good to be back after a long, uh, a long time away. Yay. And thanks, David. Happy to be here. <laughs> okay. Until next time. 